Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. You know, I don't realize, and you don't, you don't realize it because it just usually happens progressively. But our series is called Welcome Home, and it was titled that because many people came at Easter for the first time in a long time and, and got reconnected back into this spiritual family we called our Savior's Church. And then also, there are others that, 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 that you've come for the first time. And so, first of all, if you've been gone a long time, we missed you. You say, Pastor, how can you say you missed us? Because about 40% of the people, or 50%, before COVID didn't come back. And literally it has taken, it has taken almost a year to get many of those people back. You get out of the habit, you start building things with other things. And as you heard me say many times, COVID didn't kill Sabbath. Sunday still belongs to God. You can let Dr. Fauci know that, that Dr. Jacob says, <laughs> okay. So, so thank you. And then some of you have come that are new. How many of you are new? You, you weren't here until the last year or two. Raise your hand. Okay, thank you. We, we were waiting for you too. Give those folks a big hand. So I, I am, we're so grateful that you're here. And, and one of the things that you really understand, if you, do, if you do church right, if this is we do this right, it's not a business or a gathering. It's a family. Church at its best is a family. At worst, it's a business. Isn't that true? And the, the same thing is true about your own family. So I, I began thinking about that. And maybe you don't realize this, but the average American now is having two and a half children. I don't know who the halfwit is in your family, but, but, but somebody is. And just six months ago, they announced that for the first time, it actually dropped to one and a half. And that the, now the threshold to replenish actually the United States is now less than it was before. In other words, there are more people dying than are being born. Now, y'all don't have to worry. My people from Mexico are coming over to greet me <laughs> by the millions. Okay? So, but, but that, do you know that's true? That actually happened to Europe 25 years ago. And Europe would actually be about half the population it is were it not for the integration that's happened from all the rest of the parts of the world into Europe. So it, it reminds you of, of just practical things. Practical things. Michelle and I were, were, were talking, and she comes from a very large family. I come from a family of six. She comes from a family of seven. How many of you came from a large family? Raise your hand. Okay. Let's just see how large the families were. Um, anybody here come from seven children or more? Raise your hand. Eight children or more? Raise your hand. Nine children or more? Raise your hand. Ten children or more? Raise your Okay. How, how many? Ten. How many? Eleven. Anybody more than eleven? We had a... Twelve. Where? 12 back there. Okay. We had a guy here in the last service, 15. And he said his mama had 20. Same mama, same daddy. 
How many? Twenty. My people won in the end. I told y'all we were strong. <laughs> now, now, what's interesting is, now I want you to think about this, because this is almost, it's like hysterical. This should be in the Bible. How many of you grew up in a house with one bathroom? Raise your hand. Okay, so they had 22. Okay, they had 12, 11. Let me ask, how many of you grew up in a house and that you had more than, more than you, more than you and your mom and your dad, and there was, there was only one bathroom? Okay, this guy in the previous service, it was 15 and it was an outhouse. Okay, now this conversations that this generation knows nothing about. How many bathrooms do you have in your house? Like every child thinks it's child abuse. They want to get a lawyer if they don't have their exclusive bathroom. I mean, children that are really persecuted have a Jack and Jill bathroom. Like there's bedrooms on each side that feed it. Michelle's family, there was actually one bathroom for seven children. And then they added her daddy's bathroom and it was only her daddy's bathroom. All seven plus the mama had to use the one bathroom. Now, why are you saying all of this? Think of the things that you had to do selflessly and sacrificially to share. I mean, when's the last time you were knocking on the, hurry, I got to go. Hurry, hurry. I can't hurry what I'm doing. I know, but I really crossed your legs. I crossed my legs 10 minutes ago. And you think of, y'all are all going to the same place and four girls got to get ready at the same time. All of the, it required you to do what? Sacrifice, patience, share. What happens to a culture? It's two children or one child. How many of you came from an only child? You're the only child in your family. Raise your hand. Did your parents say the same thing? Do you ever, we had one and we had our one perfect child. So we just stopped there. Okay. I mean, think of if you grow up in a family with one child, like you get your favorite meal every day. When you have a lot of children, it's like, do I, you get it on your birthday, you get, and you are forced to share. What happens to a culture, which is where we are today, where it's one and a half to two children, in most cases per person, a couple, what happens? Can I tell you what happens? You don't learn to sacrifice. You don't learn to share. You become incredibly impatient. As a matter of fact, you can't even drive on the road. If somebody's driving too slow, you're mad. If you pull through canes and they took longer than five minutes, you're going to go to another location. And we live in a culture that is filled with road rage, impatience, insecurities, and all of these things because they know a lot about life, but they know nothing about how to live with other people. Two years ago, the United Kingdom, which is England, Wales, Scotland, had a position in, the, in their cabinet of the government called the Minister of Loneliness. Think about this. There are more people on medication for depression, loneliness, anxiety, fear, despair. 
I can FaceTime any one of 5 billion people on the earth. I'm going to assume the other 2 billion don't have an Apple phone. And yet people don't know how to operate in relationships. Think about that. We live in the age of information and the age of stupidity when it comes to relationships. So people have everything to live with, but have no idea what to live for or how to live with the people they're living with. So let me tell you what our message is about today. I come from a family of six. Michelle comes from a family of seven. You have to share. You can't stay in the bathroom as long as you want. You can't have your favorite meal. You don't get to get your favorite clothes. You, you, by virtue of the way that you're raised, have to share with other people and be unselfish. I don't know how many of you have watched The Chosen. How many of you have watched The Chosen? Raise your hand. How many of you don't have any clue what we're talking about? Raise your hand. How many of you thought you were The Chosen? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, The Chosen is a series out of the Gospels and it's like it takes the Gospels and makes them alive. And you actually see the actors. There's Jesus and Peter. and oh, It is amazing. It's astounding. Matter of fact, if, if you're anywhere over 50, there was a series in the 80s and 90s called Left Behind Books. Anybody remember those books? And they were written by a man named Tim LaHaye. Tim LaHaye was a great Bible teacher, but the guy that actually wrote it, his name was Jerry Jenkins. He was the writer. Jerry Jenkins' son is the producer and director and creator of The Chosen. Now, if you have Peacock, it's an app you can get for free. You just go on there, get Peacock, and then put The Chosen, and you will literally, it is phenomenal. The miracles are just like literally miracles that you see. And as we watch this, you realize the dynamics of all the relationships that Jesus brought together. Okay? You had Mary Magdalene, the farmer hooker who was demon-possessed. She was a part of their crew. Okay? You had Peter. Peter was from Delcom. <laughs> he was either cussing, fighting, or walking on water or preaching to somebody. <laughs> and it just At random, it could be either one of them. He's either cussing or preaching. He's either fighting or praying for somebody to be healed. Okay, you, you had people like Thomas who just doubted everything. We're going to Jerusalem. I'm on the trip, but I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, just, and then you had you had the people that had it together. Most of the people were from fishing villages. There was one of the guys who was really educated. He went to ESA. He went to Ascension. Had all kinds of college office. He was affluent. You know what his name was? Judas. He was educated. He was affluent. His actual name, Judas, comes from the root word Judah. Like, we have a son named Christian. And when he was born, I said, we're going to name him Christian. And somebody said, why? I said, because I can tell by the way that he was when he came out of the womb, he needs to be called a Christian all of his life until he becomes one. <laughs> and it was prophetic. And he's a preacher today. And so I, 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 I look at all of the dynamics of the relationships. that, the, And then Jesus brought them all together 
and gave them the message and the responsibility to change the world and to leave something to you and me 2,000 years later. If you want to build a relationship, the quality of your life is determined by how you resolve conflict. How do you resolve conflict? Do you withdraw? Do you get angry? Do you... Do you boudet? Give me the car keys. Do you leave? The quality of your life is determined by how you resolve conflict first between you and God. Because if you don't resolve that, you live with fear, guilt, and shame. Between you and your mate... How many of you know if mama's not happy? Nobody's happy. If daddy's not happy, who cares? (laughs) That's kind of true. (laughs) When things aren't right with your kids, let me ask you, mom and daddy, if your kids aren't good, are you good? Someone said no parent is any happier than their saddest child. Between you and your coworkers, between you and your family, between you and your extended family, your neighbors, your mama, your daddy, the quality of your life is determined by how you resolve conflict. And it's amazing because we have all these apps, we have all this technology, we can do all these kinds of things, we can communicate with people to the moon, we can do all of those things, but the most difficult thing there is is for people to learn how to forgive one another. So today, I want to talk to you about the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. What is the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world? Do you know there's one simple one? Forgiveness. Other religions, their leader asks you to die to receive forgiveness. And Christianity Our Savior died to give us forgiveness. And there's a second one. You know what the second uniqueness is? How many of you know people that are other religions? Raise your hand. Okay. We are the only belief system that believes that our dead leader has resurrected and lives inside of us. When's the last time you saw what would Buddha do bracelet on somebody? You don't. We are actually the only belief system that actually believes that our dead leader now lives not only in heaven, but in us. How many of you believe Jesus lives in you? Okay. You believe the dead resurrected leader of 2,000 years ago is living inside of you. There's no Muslim that believes that. There's no Buddhist that believes that. There's no Hindu that believes that. That is a uniqueness of Christianity. So today, I want to give you insight, and Jesus is going to teach us the most powerful thing in the world, and he's going to do it with the group of of people that he has with him because he's put these people together, the 12 disciples plus Mary, Magdalene, another Mary, and 
his, his mother, Mary. And they're all together, and they're this traveling band of people. And they're having problems with each other. Different backgrounds, different educations, different belief systems, all different ways that they react. And here is what Jesus tells them. Matthew 18. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, remember this. When someone does something to you, we always assume they they meant it. They meant to do that. They sinned against me. When we do something to others, it's a fault. What do you mean, man? Someone said we judge others by their actions, but ourselves by our motives. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his. Oh, go not assuming that he meant to do something to hurt you. Tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you win back that relationship. If he will not hear you, take with you two or more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. But if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a, you know, what's so cool. You know what Matthew was who recorded this? A tax collector. Treat him like you used to treat me. Surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you that if any two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it'll be done of them by my Father, which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus says, I'm going to be right there in the middle of them. Relationships must be resolved because unity invites God into the equation and unforgiveness grieves God. It grieves God. How is Jesus teaching us to resolve conflict? Here's the first thing he says. If someone sins against you, go talk to them before you talk to anyone else. Now, let me put a little caption there. If you don't know what to say, go up to a pastor. Go up to a spiritual leader and get wisdom. That's called going up. Wise people go up. They don't go over and they don't go down. Because what happens when you get upset, say that with me, upset. Anybody, when when someone hurts you, you get upset, don't you? It's like an upset stomach. And you know what Pepto-Bismol is? It keeps you from throwing up. We keep some other things, but we won't talk about that. Because you know what you want to do as soon as someone hurts you? You want to get some to gossip relief by throwing it up on somebody else. Let me tell you what they did to me. Now, good. Now, you feel as sick as I do. And in reality, every time you do that, you don't feel better. You just get worse, and you spread the same poison in you onto other people. Our temptation is always to talk to others before we talk to the person that hurt us. Here's the second thing. If it doesn't go well, take a mutually respected person with you. If that doesn't work, go to a church leader. In this case, go to Pastor Chris. Ask him to bring his Super Bowl ring. It's actually mine, but I'll loan it to him for that. Then he says, if they still don't listen to God's word and godly counsel, treat them like a, a what? Say it loud. How many of you just brings you a little joy to know 
that even Jesus thought the IRS was wicked. I'm loving this. Then apparently a lot of the persons that were offending and hurting and sin against other people speaks up. The disciple with the foot shaped mouth. Often wrong, but seldom in doubt. What was his name? His name was Peter. His name was Peter. And listen to what Peter says. And Peter came to him and said, Lord, okay, since you said all this, how many times should somebody sin against me and I have to forgive him? Now, let me tell you the backdrop of this question. The Jewish law says you don't have to forgive more than three times. So he says, how many times should I forgive? Up until seven times? Now, think about that. He took the Jewish law, he doubled it, and threw another one in there for Lanyap. And Jesus said, Peter, I do not say to you until seven times, but until... Say it loud. Okay, do we have any graduates of Lafayette High School? Okay, what is 70 times seven? What is it? Now I'm going to ask you a question. Do you really believe Jesus meant 490? Every man here better be shaking his head because inside your wife's closet is a chart. Okay, and it's from last birthday to this one, and she'd been marking it down. And you know when she looked at you and said, if you do it one more time, that means you're at 489. What was Jesus saying? God, this is so good. I got the free song before I even say it. Jesus was saying, if you're counting, you're not forgiving. Do you count? Are you a counter? They've done that to me three times. Try staying in a family and call it family when you only got three forgiveness passes for everybody in the family. You won't make it through half the day. Jesus is saying, if you're counting, it is a revelation that you are not forgiving. Which, by the way, let me ask you. You might forget count. He remembers the number of hair on your head. The only one that's actually capable of really counting is who? And do we want him to count? And then Jesus gives us the greatest story on forgiveness in all of humanity. And he's going to do what what, what, what rabbis did. They bring out a truth by bringing two contrasting elements. And listen to what the story is. Jesus says to Peter, the 70 times 7 guy, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle account with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him that owed him. How many? Let me translate that to today. Now, this is, I can't, I can't say with Biden inflation, but I can say with this. It's $10 million. It's $10 million. 
A talent was a lifetime of wages, $10 million. And he was not able to pay his master. And so his master commanded that he be sold and, and, and all that he had for payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down before his master saying, Master, have patience with me and... Now let's just stop a moment. How much patience would he have to have for him to come up with $10 million? 10 lifetimes of income. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion and, and his debt. This man had just been for, let me ask you a question. How many have ever owed money to somebody? How many owe money on your house? Okay. How many owe no money on your house? Call me, tell me your address. I want to talk to you. Okay. Do you realize, imagine if you got a note from the bank that said, we were going through accounts today. And we noticed that you owe $374,000 on your house. And today we decided to forgive all of your debt. LaFonda, <laughs> let's get this party started. Hey, hey, huh? I don't even drink and I don't even go to LaFonda's. It's terrible Mexican boo. Okay. <laughs> but I tell you this, if they called me and said that, I'm going to LaFonda's tonight, and I've never had a margarita. I know a few girls named Margarita. Somebody named Margarita showing up. <laughs> but if you've been forgiven of $10 million, I would just pause a moment. Your wife was about to be sold. Your son was about to be sold. Your home was about to be sold. All that you've gathered work for all of your life is about to be gone. And it was just given back to you as a gift. What's the first thing you think you're going to do? Well, let's see what he did. But that fellow servant went out and found a fellow servant who owed him a hundred what? Let me translate that. $14. Joseph uh, sold his house he lived in for a year and made some money. And he could do that because he moved in with us. That means when he made money, we lost money. So he'd get qualified for a loan. So he comes walking in the house a week ago and he goes... I'm a $400,000 man. I said, what does that mean? He said, I just got approved for $400,000. He told Greg Manuel that, and Greg said, you idiot, that means you're going to be in debt for $400,000. Anyway, oh. (laughs) The $10 million man, the $10 million man leaves, okay? And he goes out and finds another servant who owes him $14 and he lays hands on him and he took him by. That didn't even happen to him for 10 million. He's being more cruel to this man than they were to him. Saying, read it with me. Pay me what you owe. 
So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and does that sound familiar? Who wrote that song? Who wrote that rap rhyme? Have mercy on me. I'll pay you all. Have mer-. He did. That's the exact words that he used. And they're being uttered back to him. And he would not. But he went and he threw the man into till he should pay the shock of his fellow servants. I mean, pe- people are this, this, you talk about go viral? This goes viral. Dude, did you hear what the $10 million man just did? $10 million, oh yeah, what did he do? Go give two years to charity? No. What did he do? Go to church and offer an offering for God being good? No. He go buy some more stuff? No. He went out into the marketplace and he found a guy that owed him $14 and he took him and he said, give me what you have. The guy pulls three bucks out of his pocket and says, this is all I have. He grabs him by the neck. He throws him down. And by law, he could imprison him till he pay all of his debt. So he had soldiers come, pick him up, take him and put him in prison. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. And his master, after he called him, looked at him and said, you wicked servant. Read this with me. Why was he wicked? I forgave you all the debt because you, shouldn't you not have also had on your, read this last part, just is I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him, not now just to prison, not just selling his wife and his children everything that he had, and delivered him to the... In other words, because you did this, I was just going to sell you and your wife into slavery, and you were going to lose everything that you had, but now I'm going to torture you until you pay everything until he pay all that was due to him. Now, look right here. This is the scariest verse for a Christian I know of in the Bible. Verse 35. So let's read it out together. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from your, not mouth, from your heart, do not forgive his or sister their trespasses. What is Jesus teaching us in this story? The first thing he's teaching us is unforgiveness never just affects you and the person you won't forgive. His wife and his children and all that he had would be sold. Look right here. When you become bitter and unforgiving, you sell your loved ones out. You sell them out. Unforgiveness never just affects you and the person that you won't forgive. It affects your wife, your children, your husband. It affects your kids. It affects your coworkers. How many of you ever been around somebody unforgiving? Did it affect you? You don't get to choose which parts of your life unforgiveness it affects. It affects all of you. Loved ones, family, friends, not just your enemy. 
Here's the second thing. Unforgiveness distorts your perspective. Now let me just ask you this question. Okay? Do you think for one second that man thought when he saw the guy who owed him $14, let me give my security up here. I won't be rough with you. He could shoot me. All right. Do you think that when he saw him for $14, he thought, I'm going to grab him, I'm going to shake out of him what he's got, and then I'm going to throw him into prison because I want to go back to prison and put my wife and children in prison, and I want to get beat. Do you think that thought ever crossed his mind? No, thank you. Do you know why? Because unforgiveness distorts your perspective. And I ask myself, why would this man not equate 10 million and 14 and join those together. Can I tell you why? I think there's three reasons. Number one, he thought that he could pay it back. I, I'm going to go and I'm going to start getting everybody. I know he said I'm forgiven, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to pay it back. I want you to look right here. The Bible says there is none good, no, not Jesus died such a heinous death on the cross to show you and me that there is nothing we could ever do in this life or in a million lifetimes to repay the debt of our sin. So he came and paid it all. Here's the second thing, I think. Maybe he didn't receive the forgiveness. He, he said, I'm forgiven, but, but, but I, I don't think he could come at any time. And I know how I felt that time, and it could happen to me again. Here's the last one. Maybe he couldn't forgive himself. Some of you today are going to have to have faith to forgive yourself. You, you know who's done worse things to me than anybody I know? I carry a picture around with me of that person. I have done worse things to Jacob Aranza than any other human being ever has in my lifetime. How many of you can say you have too to yourself? Sometimes we need to learn how to forgive ourselves. Because the moment he threw him in prison for unforgiveness, who else did he throw in? Himself. Himself. Unforgiveness will torture you. Hurt. Unforgiveness. Resentment. Bitterness. They will literally torture you. Do you know what resentment means? The word resent means to relive. Say that. To relive. Okay, look up here a moment. This is such a profound Inside from God. I want you to think of somebody that really hurt you. While I'm starting preaching, you, you, that person's been coming to your mind. God's been bringing up a picture. Do you want to go to their birthday party? Do you want to go hang out with them? Would you like to take them to your favorite restaurant? How about take them on vacation with you? Look at me. When you don't forgive that person, you take them with you everywhere you go. 
everywhere you go. You drag them with you because as soon as their name comes up and as soon as that situation comes up, immediately, it boom, it starts all over again. How foolish is it to think that you're harming them by not forgiving them when in reality all you're doing is harming yourself. Someone said, I don't forgive others because they deserve it. I forgive it because I deserve to be free. Forgiveness is giving up the right to hurt you for hurting me. When I won't release those who've hurt me, I drink poison and wait for them to die. Someone said, anytime you won't forgive, you dig a grave for two. One for the one you won't forgive, the other one for you. Unforgiveness requires God to turn you and me over to the tormentors. Now watch this. Someone wants to ask you a question about Cajuns in Louisiana. You know, you've been around, you've experienced it. Where's the best place to eat boot at? Best stop. These millennials think Billy's. Okay. God bless them. Okay. I mean, where's the best donuts, meshes? Okay. What's the best Cajun dancing? I have no idea. Okay. I mean, Jesus didn't come from Lafayette. He came from heaven. So what he would say is, me and my father sit up in heaven and let me tell you what happens. Let me give you an illustration of what we watch happen on earth when these things happen. Let me give you a picture. You make my daddy, after he's forgiven you, turn you over to the dark. In my phone, I have some voicemails that I've saved for a long, long, long time. There's four or five. One I kept for a long time was Governor Jindal's message to me when Wesley went to be with the Lord. Another one was from my pastor. I still is on my phone. From my pastor, Pastor Jim. He's the most encouraging person in the world. When he calls me, if I don't answer, he goes, Jacob. King of Cajun Mexicans, King of Mexico, King of the Spanish Sahara, and all the Spanish-speaking peoples of the earth. And he just like goes on a rant about how wonderful I am. And when I get kind of discouraged, King of Mexico, King of all Cajun, when he says King of Mexican Cajuns, that's my family. Okay. But what if I took one that came and said, you sorry, no good, bitter, and was reminded of the worst thing that anyone had done to me, and I played that over and over and over and over and over and carried it with me, held it right here next to my heart. You see, as a Christian, when you're turned over to these tormentors, you say, Pastor, how, how, do I, how do I know when it, when it stops, when I've really forgiven? There is a difference between wounds and scars. How many of you have ever been cut before? You, you know, you have, you have different scars on your body, and you don't ever feel them. You just look down and go, oh, I remember when that happened. 
but an open wound? Anybody come? Ooh, don't touch that. Who don't? I'm just. Do you know people that are like that with their lives? Do you? You can't live a victorious Christian life with wounds. You can with scars. You can with scars. Here's the last thing, but Pastor, you, you don't know what people have done to me. I don't forgive people because of what they've done for me or to me. I forgive people because of what Christ has done for me. How many have ever done or thought things you don't want anybody in the whole world to know about? Don't raise your hands because it makes me think less of you. But let me just say this. the one that owed the $10 million. That's why if you cut me off, I can forgive you when I'm driving down the street. That's why if you did this or said that or harmed me or did that, that's why I am the one that was forgiven $10 million. It was me. I don't forgive others because of what they've done to me or not done to me. I forgive them because of what Christ has forgiven me of and what he has done inside of me. And here's the last thing. Pastor, I, I hear you. I, just, I, I don't have the ability to do that. Like, I don't have it in me. I don't. I got it. We were both with the saints at one time. Who is the source of water? Who made water? God. We can, we can put it in containers, but it all comes from, he's the source. Look at me. When you need to forgive, when you get to where you're, empty, go back to the source. You're not the source, he is. You gotta go back to the source. God, give me grace. Lord, you have forgiven. Lord, fill me so that I can get back to the source. You're not the source. I'm not the source. He is the Lord of all forgiveness. And that's why he is the only one that who qualified for our sin. And he's the only one who's qualified to tell us we must forgive all sin. Because he gives us the capacity to do that. So I, all that to do what we're going to do in the next three minutes. Today's message is open heart surgery. Yeah. Today's message, we're going to get some of those voicemails you've been carrying around with you and those replay videos in your mind that you hey, that you just been playing over and over and over and over. Resent, relive, resent, relive, resent, relive. And taking people you hate with you everywhere you go. That's what we're going to do today. How many of you want to be free? Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to open your hands and lay them palms up on your lap. Just like this. 
And I want everyone to pray with me. I want everyone to pray with me. I want you to say with me, dear Lord Jesus, I am the man who'd been forgiven $10 million. It's me. You have forgiven me. Lord Jesus, forgive me again for holding other small sins against me. How you've released me of so much. Today, by the grace of God, the power of the blood of Jesus, I want to release them and let them out of the prison cell of my heart. Today, Lord Jesus, I release. And now we're going to wait one moment in every name the Holy Spirit brings to you. I want you just to speak that under your breath. Every name that he brings to you, every person, every picture of every person he brings to you, I want you to name them. He's still bringing others. Name them. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Now let's go on. For what they've done, for what they've said, for what they should have done that they didn't do. To me, And those I love, in the name of Jesus, I open up their prison cell. I let them out. Today, I come out of the cell. I no longer want the tormentors in my life. And today, as I release them, I believe that I am released. Now just take a deep breath. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I receive your release. I receive freedom. I receive forgiveness. Take a deep breath. Just breathe in and out. We receive it and we release that forgiveness to others. It came to us so it could go through us because Christ, you live in us. You live in us, Jesus, through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Amen. Now look up at me. Here's the final part of your prescription for the week. What do I do now, Pastor? Well, some of you really had a dramatic release just now. How many of you while you were praying, you got the free songs. I mean, just the chills all over you. That, raise your hand. It was you. Okay. That means you sensed a release. That's the Holy Spirit saying, okay. That's called a witness of the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit saying, I'm talking to you. That's what that is. 
How many of you say, Pastor, I didn't really feel anything? It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Say it. I mean, I don't really didn't feel anything. Okay. How many of you sinned this week? Okay. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you just sinned for the first time by lying in church. Okay. How many of you sinned this week? How many of you asked God to forgive you? And you claim the promise of God, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Okay. Did you feel anything when you asked God to forgive you this week? No, you just received it by faith, didn't you? I asked God to forgive me. His word says if I confess my sin, he'll forgive me. I've turned away from it. I'm forgiven. Then if you didn't feel anything, it doesn't matter. You release them by faith, just like you receive forgiveness by faith. Same way. Same way. I have been preaching this message, this particular message, for 40 years. But I've seen more this week preparing for this than I ever have before. Because God wants to give you something special. Really special. So what I do now, Pastor, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what you should do. Some of you need to send a text to that person. Hey, I'm thinking about you. Some of you need to write a letter. Okay. An email. It doesn't need to be like, hey, my pastor was preaching about all the people that have really done me wrong over the years and the most wretched people I know. And you were the first person that came to my mind. So I'm calling to tell you, I forgive you. All you did was throw up on them. Okay. You know what really removes it? Start praying for them. The Bible says when Job prayed for his enemies, God healed him. Start praying for them. Email, text, letter. You may even want to send them a gift card. If you need to forgive me, you can send me a gift card to Charlie G's or Ruth's Chris. I will think about you and eat in honor of the grace that you've extended to me. Someone hurt one of my children a lot early on in our young parenting. It was devastating to me. Devastating. And it was someone that my son's athletic future was predicated on his participation. And I prayed, what do I do, Lord? And he said, go buy him a very expensive gift. And I went and bought him a very expensive gift. I could tell you this was 30 something years ago when I walked into his office and I handed that gift it was like something lifted off of me and the jail cell flew open and all of heaven's angels started singing I took an act of faith to act upon what God's word said I was free and I was releasing him now as you know each service I make an altar call for people to be born again. Today, we've asked you to pray for forgiveness. If you've never been born again, that happened during this prayer. Pastor Chris is going to come here in just a moment and release you. But I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what do I do this week?